And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Welcome back to a new edition of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is Sunday, right around noon, February 6, 2022. And I wasn't expecting to be working this morning. I thought for sure I would be going to a couple of kids' birthday parties with my wife and daughters. But I'm here now doing this podcast with our Michigan beat writer, Austin Meek, who... um, First of all, Austin, you and I both were, were thinking day off, right? I mean, we both ha- didn't know this was coming. Yeah, that's right. I was getting ready to take the kids to uh, the YMCA this afternoon. So I, I was in the same boat with you. I, I didn't uh, didn't expect this to happen today. I'm not totally stunned that Josh Gaddis I- is moving on, uh, but but I didn't know it was going to happen today, and I didn't know it was going to be Miami. Yeah, and you know, Bruce Feldman apparently was sitting on this story, he tells me, for 72 hours. Uh, Bruce, you know, obviously he's probably the most connected man in, in terms of college coaching and and moves, uh, you know, personnel moves, the carousel, all that. Just such a tremendous job. And so he breaks the story for us nationally, which was great. It's great having Bruce on our team. But uh, next time I'm going to tell Bruce, hey, Bruce, come on, bro. Tell me. It's happening Sunday morning. Let me know. So I'm ready to go. But hey, listen, he does a phenomenal job. So both of us were caught by surprise a little bit. I, you know, Gaddis's name surfaced at some point last week. Uh, on Miami message boards, people were like, you know, is it, could it be Gaddis? Could it be, um, you know, Tennessee's offensive court? There were so many rumors and Mario Cristobal told us last week during signing day, he said, yeah, I'm going to have my staff completed by next week. You guys will be able to come in and interview them. So I was like, all right, great. This is going to end. It's been two months of waiting for Miami to hire coaches around here. And finally this, these two moves get done. He gets Kevin Steele to be defensive coordinator. And now of coach uh, Gaddis from Michigan and, you know, let's start with, with with Michigan because interesting situation there. Most people would think if Gaddis was going to leave, it's probably be the head coach. I mean, Broyles Award winner this past year. Um, what happened there? What What's your take, Austin, and why maybe he, he departed? Well, I do think that Josh Gaddis uh, was ready for the next step, whatever that looked like for him. He was involved in some head coaching vacancies, and I think he would have been on the short list to replace Jim Harbaugh if Jim Harbaugh had left for the NFL. And so the whole situation with with Harbaugh exploring his NFL options, it basically like hit the pause button on every other part of Michigan's offseason. So, you know, in, in an alternate universe, if Jim Harbaugh hadn't been going through that NFL process, maybe Michigan could have come in the day after the season ended with an offer to Josh Gaddis and could have said like, Hey, we want you to stay here another year until it's your time to be a head coach. We want to keep the band together uh, and give this another run next season. But with Jim Harbaugh exploring the NFL, there wasn't really the ability to do that. So it just kept everybody in limbo waiting to see what Jim Harbaugh did. And then when Jim Harbaugh decided 
to stay at Michigan and didn't get the Vikings job, then it set everything in motion that had basically been on pause for the last month. Um, and now Josh Gaddis had to decide, okay, what do I do? Do I come back again in my same position to be the offensive coordinator, even though, you know, in, in his mind, I'm sure he felt like he was ready for that next step. Um, there wasn't a head coaching job available for him right now. So my guess is that he looked at it and said, hey, if I'm not going to be a head coach um, this season, then my best move is to go somewhere else and to get some more experience, uh, you know, add another, you know, another stop to that resume so that this time next year, maybe Josh Gaddis is in position to get a head coaching job. Now, he had just gotten a raise, right? He was making, I think, a million dollars or so. Um, so Josh Gaddis got, um, got a, a raise and a year added on to his contract before this season. And obviously he would have been due, uh, for, for, a you know, a raise of some sort after the season that he had winning, winning the Broyles award. Uh, so that, you know, that was one of those conversations that I think probably needed to happen right after the season, but just because of the uncertainty with Jim Harbaugh, uh, Michigan wasn't really in a position to resolve a lot of those things. Um, you know, but certainly, you know, Josh Gaddis, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, you know, weathering two pretty tough years at Michigan because his first two years as a play caller um, didn't didn't go great. And there were a lot of people who felt like after the 2020 season that maybe Michigan needed to move on. Um, and Josh Gaddis stuck with that and ended up having, uh, you know, his best year at Michigan uh, ended up winning the Broyles Award. I mean, it, you know, everything that you know, people hoped for when Josh Gaddis got hired from Alabama, it finally came together this year, uh, even though the first two years uh, were, were pretty tough for him. Yeah, um, I think uh, Miami ended up having to pay a $500,000 buyout to get him out of his contract to come here because you, you mentioned that extra year. Uh, so Miami had to pay that. I don't know what he's making. It's got to be well over a million dollars, probably one of the, the higher paid coordinators in college football is my guess for him to be able to, to take, you know, to leave that job. Uh, there were a lot of good players are coming back from Michigan, right? On that roster. Their offense is coming back pretty much intact. Uh, they bring back both quarterbacks. They lose Hassan Haskins, who was probably their most Jim Harbaugh would tell you Hassan Haskins was Michigan's most important player on offense. Uh, and they lose Andrew Vistardis, their starting center. But other than that, they really, they bring their offense back pretty much intact. So uh, yeah, that's, it's a little bit of a gamble for, for Josh Gaddis from that perspective that if he had stayed at Michigan, they probably would have had another good year offensively. And he probably would have been a pretty attractive candidate as a head coach after next season. Uh, and uh, you know, you, you know, Miami's situation much better than I do. What, what's he walking into there? Does he have the pieces <laughs> to have a good offense? Yeah, he, he does. I mean, first of all, he, he's got a, probably the best quarterback he'll work with. I don't think Michigan's QBs put up the kind of numbers Tyler Van Dyke did over the last six games where he was 20 touchdowns and three picks and completing close to 70% of his passes, uh, especially downfield, just such a strong arm on his way to the ACC Rookie of the Year award. So from a quarterback perspective, I think he certainly upgrades there. Miami's losing its top two receivers to graduation or early to the NFL draft, Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley, but they've got so many good young receivers. They've got a bunch of four-star tight ends, and they've got six four-star running backs. The issue is the offensive line, which is what Mario Cristobal and uh, Alex Mirabal, the new offensive line coach, that's what they're in charge of fixing. But they've got a, a starting left tackle back who started for three years. They've got a center who's been starting for three years. Uh, they've got a right guard who was all ACC second team. So it's not like it's devoid of, of quality. There are a few quality guys. It just needs to be better. Miami was the worst rushing team in the ACC 
of course, Michigan runs the football a ton. I read your story sort of evaluating Gaddis at the end of December, right before the, the bowl game here at the Orange Bowl. And I read how running backs had the ball in their hands 56% of the time. Everybody down here at Miami is probably freaking out when they hear that stat because they, they know Tyler Van Dyke. But I've been trying to tell people for a while now, Mario Cristobal wants to run the football. It's what he did at Oregon. Uh, even, even when he had uh, Herbert at quarterback, they still ran the ball. It was a good, pretty much balanced offense. Um, with Gaddis, you know, the 56% of the time in the running back's hands. Talk about that a little bit and some of the personnel groupings. I mean, I, I know a lot of 12 personnel, 11 personnel, but the tight end is definitely using this offense, right? Yeah. Well, Manny, I don't know if you know this. I actually covered Mario Cristobal at Oregon before I, I moved to Michigan and, and joined the athletics. So okay. uh, you, you're uh, collecting all of my former coaches down there at, at <laughs> Miami, but you're totally right. Mario Cristobal wants to run the ball. I mean, that's for Josh Gaddis. Like this is not going to be a huge transition going from Jim Harbaugh to Mario Cristobal because their DNA as head coaches is very similar. They both want to run the ball and Josh Gaddis in 2020, uh, that was the most pass-heavy offense that Jim Harbaugh has ever had. And Michigan went two and four, and they had real problems at the quarterback position. And Josh Gaddis came out and said after 2020 that he got away from the running game and he was going to make a commitment to run the ball this season. And that's what Michigan did. And that was a big part of Michigan's success this year was recommitting to the running game and to being physical up front and winning the line of scrimmage. And that's like, that's exactly what Mario Cristobal wants, you know, from what I remember from my time covering him at Oregon. So, you know, I, I thought that, that the big part of Michigan's success this year was last season, so much of, off, of Michigan's offense went through Joe Milton at quarterback and Joe Milton wasn't very efficient. Uh, you know, a lot of incomplete passes, a lot of quarterback scrambles, and Michigan really felt like their best players were their running backs and they needed to have the ball in the hands of their running backs more. And so that's what Josh Gaddis did to evolve Michigan's offense this past season was give the ball to Hassan Haskins, give the ball to Blake Corum, get the ball in the hands of, of Michigan's wide receivers, you know, not necessarily having them running 40 yards down the field, like, was the case when Joe Milton was just back there, like bombing away down the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, Hey, get the ball uh, to AJ Henning on a jet sweep. Um, you know, throw some short passes and give the, the receivers a chance to run after the catch. That was really the big evolution for Michigan's offense this year that, that made Michigan a lot more efficient than they were in 2020. Well, and, and, you know, the tight end position is so important to Miami. And I think, I think Miami fans are rejoicing as they're reading the stats from your story. I tweeted that story out right, right after the hire. Cause I thought it was great. The play distribution. Um, you know, I know the tight ends didn't necessarily touch the ball a ton, but he's lined up with them. And I think he's going to have better tight ends here. I mean, guys that are, that are legit pass catchers, playmakers, Elijah Royal, really talented freshman, uh, you know, going to be a sophomore going into next year. They just signed a top 100 player in Jaleel Skinner. They took away from Alabama, uh, to come here and play the tight end position. So I think from a skill position set, um, you know, they're, they're, he's going to have some good players to work with. It's the offensive line, man. Like Michigan's offensive line was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was good. And it, it took a huge step forward. It was not good in 2020. And one of the changes that Michigan made was uh, Ed Warner, who had been the offensive line coach, left and Sharon Moore who was close with Josh Gaddis was promoted to coach the offensive line and to be the co-offensive coordinator. 
And that really helped, I think, the chemistry of Michigan staff because Gaddis and Sharon Moore worked really well together. They were able to sync up the run game and the pass game better than, than they did in 2020. And that offensive line took a huge step forward. They were a lot better uh, in 21 than they were in 2020. What kind of personality does Gaddis have? Is he friendly with the media? Is he friendly with everybody? What's he like? What do the players say about him? Yeah, he's totally like a high energy guy, uh, you know, very confident. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to have been able to spend more time with him. You know, we, we don't talk to the, the coordinators a ton at Michigan, but every time we talk to him, you know, he just came across as a really like um, high energy guy, you know, the type of coach that if you're a player, you'd want to play for, um, you know, he, he, I think probably matured, um, over his time at Michigan. I mean, he, I think he admitted when he got to Michigan, uh, he was a pretty emotional guy. Um, you know, there was a point where he was down on the sideline and then he moved up into the booth. Um, you know, and part of the process for him was like to take his emotions out of the game a little bit and be able to like, you know, detach a little bit and be a little more analytical as he was calling the game. So I think that was an area that, that he evolved when he was at Michigan, but I mean, still a guy who just, you know, really intense, really passionate. I, I, I think he's a guy that Miami fans are, are really going to like. Yeah. 38 years old. He was a two-time all ACC safety at Wake Forest ends up getting into coaching right after his pro career pretty much ends. He was a fifth round pick of the Jaguars, didn't play in the league very long, and then started with uh, Butch Davis at North Carolina for a season um, as, as sort of a grad assistant before moving on to become the uh, wide receivers coach at, at Western Michigan. And, you know, he, he's coached a whole lot of talented receivers when you look at it. I mean, Jerry Judy, of course, the Belitnikoff winner and, um Jalen Waddle, who's familiar here to Dolphins fans, um, the quarterbacks coach. Miami still hasn't filled that. Obviously, he's going to be the receivers slash passing game guy, I'm sure. But um, what do you think? Is there a chance he could bring anybody with him? Any any connections from quarterbacks, uh, quarterback coaches? Or do you have any insight on that? You know, with Michigan staff. So Michigan's quarterbacks coach is Matt Weiss, mm-hmm. who is close with Jim Harbaugh. Um, I would say Matt Weiss is probably the favorite to replace Josh Gaddis as the offensive coordinator uh, at Michigan. So in terms of anybody that Josh Gaddis would bring from Michigan staff, um, like I said, Josh Gaddis is close with Sharon Moore, but Sharon Moore co- coaches the offensive line. And I know Mario is an offensive line guy and has his own offensive line coach. So that, that probably wouldn't be a fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Josh Gaddis comes ultimately from the Joe Moorhead tree, Um, coached with Moorhead at Penn state and then went down to Alabama. Um, so you might be able to look through that Joe Moorhead tree and see if there's anybody that he crossed paths with, but in terms of guys he might bring from Michigan staff, I'm guessing probably not. Okay. Important to ask you that because Miami fans, that's the number one question I know I'm getting right now on Twitter. Everybody's who's going to be the QB coach because everybody worries about recruiting and keeping sort of that, that funnel system coming in terms of recruits. Was he a good recruiter over there at Michigan? Were there some guys that he was responsible as far as bringing in that, you know, that he he played a key role in bringing or uh, I mean, obviously, he spent a lot of time recruiting at Alabama, Penn State mm-hmm. and, and Vanderbilt, and Western Michigan before that. But just curious in terms of guys that you remember that, that sort of came because of him. Yeah, he he um he got some guys at the wide receiver position. I think he opened some doors uh, for Michigan in recruiting receivers uh, that, you know, guys who came to Michigan 
in large part because of Josh Gaddis. I mean, probably the one, uh, you know, who's not at Michigan that really hurts um, is Xavier Worthy because Josh Gaddis was a big part of recruiting Xavier Worthy. And then he ends up signing with Michigan, but then uh, going to Texas and watching him as a freshman at Texas, that Michigan fans are still salty about that one. <laughs> that, that one hurt. Um, I, I would say that, you know, Josh Gaddis maybe was not uh, quite as visible in, in recruiting uh, as, you know, say like a Sharon Moore. I mean, Sharon Moore was regarded as a really, really good recruiter. Uh, you know, Josh Gaddis had a lot on his plate as, as the offensive coordinator and the play caller. So I didn't sense that he was quite as involved in recruiting as maybe a couple other guys on Michigan staff. Uh, but certainly he recruited well at the wide receiver position and, and really, I think, upgraded the talent of that position for Michigan in the time that he was here. All right, Austin. Listen, I appreciate it. I know it's Sunday. I want you to be able to go hang out with your kids at the YMCA. <laughs> My wife and daughters are waiting for me. I got two birthday parties, not one, two birthday parties to go to today. So it'll be a busy day uh, for the family. But uh, I appreciate your time. Any any last thought on this? I mean, uh, is this devastating for Michigan or do you think there's much bigger issues with Harbaugh coming back? And I mean, because these are two coordinators have lost now, right? Yeah, I don't think it's devastating for Michigan just from the standpoint that Michigan was ready for this. You know, if Josh Gaddis had gotten a head coaching job, I think Michigan would have said like, Hey, congratulations. Like we wish you all the best. Um, And so with Jim Arbach coming back, I think it was clear that Michigan just had too many good coaches on its staff who were ready for the next step. And Michigan didn't have a lot to offer them. Josh Gaddis was already the offensive coordinator. You know, you can't, unless you're going to make him the head coach, you can't really promote him to another position and he was ready. And so I I think that we'll see the pieces fall into place pretty quickly for Michigan. I won't be surprised at all if it's an internal hire to replace Josh Gaddis. And yeah, I think, you know, it'll be really fascinating to see how things go for him at Miami. I won't be surprised if he's a head coach within the next couple of years um, because he was, he was really close to that this year. just wasn't quite at that point, but another good year or two as a coordinator. And I think, I think his time is going to come. Yeah, I think it's a good thing when you got guys moving on to bigger and better things uh, for a program. And I, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone right now. I'm talking about Miami spending boatloads of money to take away the Broyles Award winner from Michigan and to hire Kevin Steele, who's probably one of the highest paid defensive coordinators at all time. Miami spending money. It's crazy to think that this has been the uh, the private school that's always worked on a budget. Now they're they're landing big time coordinators. Austin, appreciate it. Great, great conversation. Make sure you follow Austin. On Twitter, read all of his work at The Athletic. does a phenomenal job covering Michigan for us. Thanks again. Thanks, Manny. Have fun at those birthday parties. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.